अहम एवासम एवाग्रे नन्यद्यत सद असद परम पश्चार अहम यद एथच्छा योग योग शिष्येत सोम्यहम Prior to the cosmic creation only I exist and no phenomena exist either growths subtle or primordial after creation only I exist in everything and after annihilation only I remain eternally before the creation and after its dissolution <clears throat> only the supreme personality of godhead and his associates exist there is no existence of the material elements this is confirmed in the vedic literature vasudevo va idam agra asina brahmana nashankara the meaning of this mantra is that before creation there was no existence of brahma or shiva for only vishnu existed vishnu exists in his abode the vaikuntas There are innumerable Vaikuntha planets in the spiritual sky and on each of them Vishnu resides with his associates and his paraphernalia. It is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita that although the creation is periodically dissolved there is another abode which is never dissolved. The word creation refers to the material creation because the spiritual world everything exists eternally and there is no creation or dissolution. The Lord indicates herein that before the material creation he existed in fullness with all transcendental opulences including all strength, all wealth, all beauty, all knowledge, all fame and all renunciation. If one thinks of a king he automatically thinks of his secretaries ministers military commanders palaces and so on since a king has such opulences one can simply try to imagine the opulence of the supreme personality of godhead when the lord says aham therefore it is to be understood that he exists with full potencies including all opulences so this is very much the reverse of what the Dar- darwinian evolutionists claim to be the process of creation according to many of these modern scientific theories it is said that from um very very gross matter gradually it has it becomes more and more sophisticated more and more refined and ultimately through that process consciousness is created but here we find that according to the spiritual perspective of reality the truth presented by bhagwan shri krishna and the acharyas is this the opposite but it is from consciousness that gradually this material world is created consciousness is the source of everything it is the difference between objective evolution and subjective evolution ah <coughs> that the things of this world or matter 
we are experience we we are able to perceive them because we are subjects we are conscious but there is also a super subject or a super consciousness or krishna that is creating this entire lila of the the interaction between the part and parcel consciousness and the material elements of this material world and therefore uh, sometimes people um, through all traditions in the world they address material things as persons it's like uh, mother earth uh, sometimes people address the son as father just material elements but actually behind all of the gross phenomena of this material existence is the conscious hand of God working it. So factually it is it is true. Just like <clears throat> if Devamrita speaks, <clears throat> he's speaking through a gross physical body. But we don't consider, although all we see with our senses is a gross physical body. It's actually dead. It's dead matter. But through that gross physical body, there's a subjective conscious being speaking. So do we refer to Devamrita as him or as it? The medium in which he's coming through to us is, a, is, is it. It's a physical body, which is dead matter. And the mouth that's, that, that, that's moving is also dead matter, is it not? So when Devamrita comes into the room, do we say, it has come into the room? Although actually, we're pretty, even the materialists, they do not understand what is consciousness, what is the soul, they only understand what is the body. But they still pertain to that body as him. Why? Because the force that's moving that body is a person. That force that is moving that unconscious dead body is a conscious living being. And because this, the, the basis of the animation, the movements of the body is being motivated and thrusted forth by the conscious soul, therefore we address through the physical body the soul by calling the body him. We see Devamrita in his body. Because we know that that soul within is what is activating the body to do what it is doing. So, the dead matter of this world, what we consider to be dead matter, it is all being activated by Krishna. And it is all being activated by the demigods who are moving these different conditions of the world or different objects of the world in such a way according to Krishna's supervision. So therefore, factually, everything has personality. Krishna reveals the Virat Rup, the universal form of the Lord. In one sense, it is described by Shukadeva Goswami that the Virat Rupa is an imaginary way of seeing how God is personally 
within everything. It's like we're using the example when Satyavat is performing Archi. It's a, it's a dead piece of matter called a hand. It's waving. And we say that Satyavrat is waving. Huh? Because he's the one that's influencing that hand to move. Because it's his body. We don't differentiate the body from the self in that sense. Hmm? In the same way, everything is being manipulated, everything is being motivated, everything is being animated by Krishna. Mayadhyakshena prakriti suyate satchadachanam. This material world is working under my direction, Krishna says. And therefore, in one sense, this whole creation is like the body of God. If you direct your hand to move away, it moves. When Krishna directs the moon to move a certain way, the sun to move a certain way, the mountains, the rivers to move a certain way, it moves. So in that sense, this whole creation is like the body of Krishna, and he is the soul that is directing everything. And therefore, a devotee sees everything personal. A devotee sees nothing impersonal. A, a devotee factually doesn't see anything as dead matter. He sees everything as the energy of Krishna. Could the energy of Krishna be dead? If we separate Krishna from this wall, it becomes dead. But if we understand how this is the energy of Krishna, it's not dead. If you separate the soul from the body, the body is dead. But if you understand the soul's connection to the body, is the body dead? Is there anything separate from Krishna? This idea of dead matter only comes when we separate it from the, from, from, from the soul, from its source, from Krishna. Therefore, a devotee sees that everything has life, because everything is Krishna. Is that through his energy? Does everyone understand this principle? I don't see anyone taking notes on these. It's very important. How a devotee is so... What does the school of personalism really mean? The gross understanding that God is a person. Yes. But Purashya Shaktir Vivadhaiva Shruyate means to understand how all of his energies are personal. Because they are all the movements of, of his body moving under his direction. We know that the soul is a person. But when the soul speaks, is that not a personal thing being done? When the, when the, when, I mean, when the, when the body moves, is that not personal? <clears throat> what would you say, David? If, I'm get, if I become angry and I hit Pradumana with my hand, is that not a personal thing? Huh? But actually, it's only this dead lump of flesh that's moving and hitting him. And what's it hitting? A dead lump of flesh. And he'll think, oh, thank you very much. Certainly he will not become angry because he's a hum humble Vaishnava. He'll say, oh, thank you very much. I deserve much worse. So, but what's, what is it that's feeling the pain? It's just the body. It's, it's striking a body and it's being struck by a body. But it's personal because the person who's experiencing through the body and the person that's acting through the body <coughs> is personal. Is anything in this creation not the energy of God, being directed personally by God, 
So is anything impersonal? That is another subject. <laughs> now we're trying to concentrate on this principle. And that is why Krishna pre- presents the Virat Rup in such a way, just for the less intelligent people to understand how there is a personal soul that's directing the affairs of everything. When, when um, Mutai Stapati came to Nubrandavan to, to, um, to do the architectural design for the temple of understanding at that time it was called, he was explaining how every part of the temple is a, is a part of Vishnu's body. And the temple is to be understood as Krishna's body. And this is not just figurative, this is not just symbolical, it's literal. And how the universal form, it's a figurative explanation that this is his head, the sun and the moon are his eyes, uh, the rivers are his veins. That is a figurative, imaginative explanation. But the actual purport is literal. That everything that exists is personally being directed by Krishna, therefore it is all his personal energy. And therefore it is not impersonal. And this is one of the major differences between the teachings of Shankaracharya and the Mayavads and the teachings of the Vaishnava charges. Is the Mayavads don't do not they say Adoita that everything is one. Everything is coming from the undifferentiated Brahman. And anything that has differentiation is material and is an illusion. But what the Vaishnava Acharyas and Shastras explain that the absolute truth is differentiated. Which is coming from the Vedanta Sutra, that the absolute truth has unlimited inconceivable energies. Eternally. This material energy is an eternal energy of God the manifestations within this material energy are temporary but the material energy is eternal in the spiritual world everything is being activated by yoga maya or the spiritual energy of the lord and in this material world everything is being activated by mahamaya which is the material energy of the lord but they are both the eternal energies of the lord through which he manifests his will according to the time and the circumstances. And actually, the difference between Mahamaya and Yogamaya is the difference of perception. It's actually the same energy, but differentiated. Huh? Srila Prabhupada uses the example that electricity when it goes into one receptacle, it produces heat, like in a stove or an oven. But that same electricity, when it into, enters into another receptacle, it creates cold. 
as in a refrigerator or freezer. So is electricity hot or cold? It's both. <coughs> the electricity is one, but in that oneness is infinite differentiation. It's not that the differentiation is a creation coming from that oneness. But the differentiation is inherent within the oneness eternally. And it's simply manifesting according to time and places in different ways. This is a very, very important distinction between the Mayavad philosophy and the Vaishnava philosophy. Here, Srila Prabhupada is explaining that the source of everything is Krishna, who has all six opulences, who has personality, who has characteristics, all strength, all wealth, all beauty, all knowledge, all fame, and all renunciation. And his divine energy is in the spiritual world manifesting in such a way to uh, assist the Lord and the eternal jivatmas in wonderful lila, wonderful pastimes. And for that lila to take place, there must be inconceivable, infinite variegatedness and differentiation. And it is this abode, it is this, it is this plane, which is the source of this material existence. Therefore, when we discuss between Yoga Maya and Mahamaya, factually, there's one beautiful verse which explains um, Yoga Maya or Mahamaya speaking, Durga Devi speaking, that here in this world, I am the king, I am the queen. I am making sure everybody is punished according to their quota. And I am making sure everyone is rewarded according to their quota. But in the spiritual plane, I, my own self is represented, is represented as Sri Radharani, the Queen of Vrindavan. Is there a difference between Radharani and Durga? Srila Prabhupada explains that if you worship Krishna with love and devotion, then, then the divine energy will manifest as Sri Radharani. And if you act independent of Vishnu, independent of Krishna's will, and try to exploit things for your own sense enjoyment, that same divine energy will manifest as Durga Devi. Now, does that mean, as the Mayavadis would think, that that energy in itself is just impersonal, but it manifests in different ways. No. It means that that energy in its source is highly personal. There's absolutely nothing impersonal about that energy. But Durga and Radha, these two principles of Mahamaya and Yogamaya, are eternal. They're eternally existing as the energies of the Lord. So I'll speak it again. This is very important. According to the monists, 
they do not recognize that the Lord eternally has differentiated energies. They consider that Brahman has no energies, has no form, has no qualities, has no characteristics. And ultimately, everything is emanating, everything is coming from that. That is Advait. But the Vaishnavas understand that the spiritual source of everything is a person who has variegated energies, eternal, and everything that exists in this world is a personal expansion, personal manifestation of Krishna himself through his various energies. And therefore, a devotee of the Lord sees everything as being personal. And therefore, does not disrespect anything. You can ask. Why is the will of Krishna to manifest his personal energy in the material world? Why is there this will? Because why is it that the government exercises or manifests its personal energy in a prison house? Hmm? The actual purpose of a prison house is not only punishment, but reform. Hmm? A third-class prison is one that just punishes people who are bad. A first-class prison is that, with, through the punishment, reform the person's character so that they could be good citizens. It's necessary. Doesn't every government have its prisons? Why? In the prison, so much suffering takes place because those people have to go through that to come back to their natural, healthy, good condition in society. So when everybody has their independence, nobody's forced to be a criminal. The government doesn't force people to be criminals. The government encourages everyone to be good, but if you misuse your independence, you have to go through this process. So in the same way, we are all part of Krishna. We all have independence. When we misuse our independence and we act contrary to our own best interests, Krishna Deliver us, delivers us into this material world where through the process of repetition of birth and death and the threefold miseries we gradually come to the consciousness of reforming our character and living in harmony with God's will. Hmm? Not in Bhagavad Gita, in some words, I don't remember exactly that, Krishna refers to the deluding potency in the material world as Yogamaya. Yogamaya is Yes. Naham prakasya sarvasya yoga maya samapata. Mudhoyam nabhijanata lokuma majmabhyayam. Because you see, from Krishna's point of view, there's only yoga maya. From Krishna's point, yoga maya means spiritual energy, mahamaya means material energy. But does Krishna see a difference between material and spiritual? He sees they're all his energies. So for us, there's a difference between yoga maya and mahamaya. But for Krishna, that electricity, whether it's in a refrigerator, whether it's in an oven, he sees it as the same energy. He, does, he sees that it's, it's all spiritual. Factually, yoga maya is the energy of this world, but due to our perception, 
we cannot see its connection to Krishna. So it reveals itself as Mahamaya to us. Do you understand? This is, Mahamaya is actually a spiritual energy. But according to our rebellious vision, is revealing itself to us as Mahamaya, material energy. But as I said, if you see how everything is part of Krishna, everything is, is the energy of Krishna, everything is, the energy is meant to be enjoyed by the energetic, Prakriti and Purusha. If we see how all this energy is meant to be enjoyed by the energetic, then even in this world we will see everything as Yoga Maya. Huh? So Krishna is speaking from his point of view. So Mahamaya is not the perverted reflection of Yoga Maya? Perverted reflection because Krishna reveals himself as you approach him. Huh? It's an energy, but it's revealing itself, this error, or herself, according to our consciousness. Yes? Prabhupada once said that if we say that this is mine and I'm going to use it for myself, it is Mahamaya. If it is mine, I'm going to use it for Krishna. it's Krishna's and you're using it for Krishna. <laughs> the idea that it's mine is also Mahamaya. <laughs> is anything yours? <laughs> That's Yoga Maya. And, there, and, and, that, and that energy will, will, will increase your devotion when you see it in that light, as Radha Krishna Prabhu was saying. And it will increase your bondage when you see it in the other light. So is there anything called matter? Because ultimately everything is energy of God. And they are under the Mahamaya, Yoga Maya. Under Buddha. our state of consciousness, <clears throat> we are seeing matter and spirit. But on a higher level of consciousness, there's only spirit. At first we have to make the discrimination. between the body and the soul. But later on we see how if everything is the energy of God, everything is spiritual. Om Purnamada Purnamida Purnat Purnamuta Chate. In Ishopanishad it's really declaring that everything is spiritual. Nothing can exist that isn't spiritual, that isn't pure spirit. Except when we forget Krishna, then to our eyes it appears material. When we see it in relationship to its, when we see the, the energy in relationship to the energetic source, then it is all spiritual. But when we make that disconnection, it appears material. But actually, it is not material. So, you are discussing this point one day in Bhagavatam class also. Therefore, even matter is conscious, actually, at a higher, higher level. It is not matter at all. Yes. We distinguish in Sankhya Yoga and everything on some matter, spirit, this quality, that quality. That is for lower levels of understanding. But in a higher level of understanding, we see everything is Krishna's energy. Everything is conscious. Because Krishna is conscious through everything. 
Krishna's conscious through this wall. Is he not? It's his energy. Because he's present also personally. Ah, he's, pers he's personally present through everything that exists, through his energies. So can anything be dead? <laughs> this is Vaishnava philosophy. So in a sense, this is Vaishnava oneness, that is. We also accept oneness. But, uh, that but that in that one, this is what we are, this is what we are stressing. In that one, there is infinite variegatedness through energies. And the monist idea is they don't recognize, they recognize all energies are material, temporary. There is no eternal energy. There is only the one. When your eyes are anointed with the self of love, you will see Shamsundar everywhere. <laughs> and if you lived under the same tree, it would be a regular tree. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why do we say like certain specific places where Krishna performed his pastimes? They are the spiritual world, like Vrindavan, or Dwarka, Mathura. Because that is a different thing in the sense that yes, Krishna is manifesting himself through energy everywhere. But that is actually directly Krishna is revealing Goloka Vrindavan, his supreme energy to the world. The holy town. That 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 place where Krishna has um, performed his divine lila eternally, he is revealing to the world. It's not that all the energy. There's differentiation. That is important to understand. Yes. It is not so much related to this. What I feel it is this way that even in material world, the little biggest crime if you do it, biggest crime, and also we have been put in prison and for 20, 25 years we have been relieved. What type of a big crime we might have done in the spiritual world that we have been put into this world, material world for years and hundreds and thousands and thousands of births and that they're just running here and there. But the, di but the difference is this, you must understand. Because you're identifying yourself with this material body. You're thinking, this is me. Therefore, 20 years is a long time for you. Huh? In relationship to a 100-year body, 20 years is a lot, but not so much. Huh? 
But for the eternal soul, what is even five trillion years? Is that a long time? Compared to eternity, is a trillion years a long time? It has no significance. While you're suffering, it has significance. But if you look at it from an um, objective point of view, it really is very little significance. So this is, what it, this is what it takes to bring the soul, however long it takes, this is what it takes to bring the soul to that plane where from its own free will and heart it wants to surrender to Krishna. Huh? The question is this, how much longer do you want to wait? We're saying, why is Krishna keeping us here so long? That's not the question. He's, he's ready to let us out in one second. It's different than the other prisons. The other prison, the material world, you're, you're sentenced. You have to be there so much time. Even if you completely change your ways, you still have to change. You still have to stay there till the time's up. Krishna's so merciful that he puts you here. As soon as you want to get out and you're willing to show your desire, he lets you out. Huh? So I'm reversing your question. You're saying, why does Krishna keep us here so long? My question is, why do you want to stay here so long? He's willing to release you today. Huh? The problem is, we're attached to this prison. <laughs> we don't want to leave. Something in us wants to leave, but then everything else, we don't want to give up what's here. Right? We're thinking, I've been here a long time and I, 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 I'm attached to my, my, when you're in a prison, I'm attached to my little metal bowl and I'm attached to, my, to these other criminal inmates of mine who I've become friends with and I'm attached to the toilet I've been passing stool in for the last 20 years. I don't want to leave these things. And the warden's saying, come, you're free, go out, go out, just leave. Well, I, I want to go out. I know it's wonderful out there, but still, you know, I've been passing stool in this toilet for 20 years. It's not so easy to leave it. That's our condition. We're in this material world, and Krishna's saying, out, just Ch Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his devotees, just chant, Harinam, get out. Yes, I know, I, I believe you. I'd rather be in Vaikuntha, but I have my house, and I have my family, and I have my, all these, I, I have my ego. Huh? Why do you want to stay so long? Because we've become mad. <laughs> Material attachments. Vairagya vidya nija bhakti yoga shikshashtame kapurusha purana. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has said that, or Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya describes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission that he has given knowledge, vairagya, detachment, and bhakti, devotional service. These three principles. The knowledge teaches us what is what, what is the goal of life, and there must be vairagya, detachment from that which is not real, which is not in relationship to Krishna. <coughs> so there must be cultivation of knowledge, there must be cultivation of detachment, and there must be an engagement in devotional service which is primarily manifested through the chanting of the holy names 
हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे सर्वभौम भाताचार्य that type of a shape that could be the reason i don't know already in the chaitanya charitamrita of course prabhupada goes in greater detail and he said that the actual words chaitanya mahaprabhu uses is chandrashekar when he tells him to he, he looks like a daravesh which means a really dirty low person make him into looking into a very clean Brahminical person. According in that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's own personal um, preference to those in the renounced order of life and his line was to shave their heads and be shaven like that. It was a matter of renunciation and cleanliness.
the story is something a fabricated story historically just to bring out a certain idea. Jiva Goswami. He read it from this one Hindi pundit. The, the same books we read. We read it from that book. Which according to our Sampradaya, that man does not write authorized literature. In other words, they just take so many traditional stories and present it as it is a fact. But according to the Gaudi Acharyas, it's disrespectful to Jiva Goswami to speak of him in this way. But he was a Grihastha. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, those in the renounced order, he had them shaving everything. They were Dodi and Shatter. Huh? What's your answer? It's not proper. Why don't why don't they just wear copans? Because women are different than men physically. So their way of showing chastity and detachment is the, in principle it's the same, but it's a different form. Women cover their heads, men shave their heads. Women wear saris, men wear, men wear dhotis. Rainbow women go naked too. <laughs> According to different traditions, it may be different. <coughs> in Vrindavan, the women men wear the exact same thing. it would not be very much acceptable for that to be. In Nubandavan, everyone wore saffron. Maybe if a, a Brihasta wore saffron, it would be condemned. <coughs> so according to time, place, and circumstance, the great religious reformers, they create a tradition, a form, but it's always for the same, to, for the same principle. So what we have to understand is what is the principle that's trying to be achieved through this? The thing in itself is not as important as the principle to be achieved. <coughs> there are other sampradayas where sadhus just never shave anything and grow it. That's also a principle of detachment. It's really not different than shaving. They're both symbols of detachment. And they're both equal if you're if the spirit is of detachment, whether you have long matted hair and long beard with knots and everything, or whether you have shaved head, everything. The principle is detaching yourself from the vanity of this this world. <coughs> and either one is perfect. 
But each tradition and each acharya, whatever, has a specific discipline to unite his particular followers. So we shouldn't think, well, it's the same thing, so I'll do it the other way. We have to follow in the footsteps of our guru. Although we can respect the same spirit and the same principle as they are in this other sampradaya, the way they're doing. Some women shave their heads, some wear sari. It's the same principle, there's no difference. Huh? <laughs> Prabhupada said we shave it because it's clean, and cleanliness is next to godliness. He also said because it's simple. He also said because it's because it, it, it removes you from the society of vanity, trying to look nice. So Prabhupada had so many reasons, but our reason, for whatever reasons he has, that's all right. We're just trying to please him. We just want to make him happy, that's all. Huh? <laughs> Someone asked Bhakti Vada about sugar, how it is passed through bones and other things. He said, as long as Prabhupada used it, it's okay with me. He used it, I can Prabhupada's accepting it. If he's asking for it, if he's asking for something and he's awesome. accepting it, already nice. There are truths in these books, but they will not be very helpful to you because they, the tendency is they divert our attention away from the path by which we can attain that limit of spiritual love. 
a Babaji may be on that platform. He may be or he may be pretending. Huh? You cannot even tell the difference. Huh? Sahaja means one who takes things cheaply. <coughs> one who before he's totally free and actually spontaneously revealed this relationship with Krishna. A person just pretends he's on that platform and cries and does all these other things. <coughs> How do you know? How do you know whether he's really on that platform or whether he's pretending? I could right now pretend that I'm just immersed in Kali Leela and anybody in this room could do it. Huh? How? But I'm talking about right now. How do you know? You don't know. Therefore, the acharyas who come to teach us how to come to the highest platform, they don't live like that. They set the example by which we could follow. That is their mercy. They come down from the Uttama Adhikari platform to the Madhyam Adhikari to teach us by their words and their example. Because if they stay in the Uttama Adhikari platform, we don't know what they're doing or why. And we have really no example. If we try to, if we try to follow them, we're just cheap imitationists. You cannot enter into the divine leela of Sri Krishna until, first of all, you detach yourself from all sense gratification, and second of all, you have to learn how to be the obedient, disciplined servant of the Lord. That's the prerequisite. The leela is very high. Therefore, most of the Babaji's in Vrindavan, the Gaudiya Vaishnavacharyas, they say that they're cheap imitationists. There are a few real ones who are really on that platform. Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami. They, I mean, you, there's Babaji's who, you know, they're they're having rasa leelas, and then afterward they smoke beedis because they're addicted to smoking, huh? <laughs> so therefore, we have to try to understand what are the principles of sadhana bhakti. These great souls may have been on these platforms of very high spiritual realization. It may, take an, it may have taken them many, many births to attain that stage, or they may be Nitya Siddhas who were sent from the spiritual world. But that's not the path we can follow. Raganuga Bhakti is not the path that a neophyte devotee can follow, although many people teach this. And they're cheating their disciples. They're taking the whole process cheaply. Rupa and Sanatana did not teach this. The bona fide acharyas will never teach this. They don't give Raganuga Bhakti to people who are engrossed in material life. They give, they give Vaidhi Bhakti strict rules, strict regulations. Through this process, you'll gradually, naturally come to the platform of Raganuga Bhakti when your heart is pure. Huh? That is very important to understand. You can read about these great saints, but don't try to imitate them. Huh? That is why these books we don't consider very important. But more important are the books that teach us how to become pure devotees. And if a person is materially grossed, and the so-called Babaji, gives that person the path of Raganuga Bhakti, 
there's no way that person's going to make spiritual advancement through that process. If that person is already pure in heart, then you can give them the path of Raghunuga Bhakti. But how many of us are on that level? Huh? What do you think? Hmm? What? <laughs> that is the correct answer. <laughs> Therefore, we must accept the spiritual master and be willing to be trained by him. And although uh, there's no criticism of these books, these books are lives of many great teachers, it's more important to read those literatures by our guru that, who's teaching us how to come to the stage of pure devotional service, how to come to the stage of Raghunuga Bhakti, which is a very high level of Krishna consciousness. Mm-hmm. That's why so many, some of our devotees, they just, they think, why should I live in this ashram where there's so much austerity and so much, um, although the devotees are very joyful here, they'd rather just live in Vrindavan and just, Via, via Manjari or a gopi, just run around and go wherever they want. Just they can do that, but they'll never attain love. It'll, it will take births and births and births and births and births to attain spiritual advancement through that process. Because all of their sentiments are just shadows, they're not real. First, they have to learn how to surrender. Bhagavad Gita teaches first surrender. Srimad Bhagavatam begins to explain the five rasas, but that's after total surrender. Right? They want to go to the five rasas without surrendering. What does that mean? They're not even going to the rasas. It's just a shadow. It's an illusion of the five rasas. It's an illusion of Raganuga Bhakti that they're living. Bhagavatam begins where Gita ends. Gita ends with abandoning all varieties of religion and just surrendering to the Guru and surrendering to Krishna. Huh? Becoming completely detached from anything except the loving service of the Lord. After that stage, you can enter into these five rasas. Huh? But these people who go to Vrindavan and just start trying to immerse themselves in these rasas, it's all an illusion. It's all an imagination. It's not a real spiritual realization just an imagination of the mind. Therefore, first we must learn how to be a disciple and surrender. Otherwise, this jumping over is just taking things cheaply. Krishna consciousness is something very real and very precious. It It should be approached in that way, not just cheaply. Okay, I'm going to give up my job and I'm going to be a gopi. I'm going to Vrindavan or I'm just going to just be with the Babaji's and Radhe Radhe. Huh? You can do that. But Krishna's not going to be very pleased with that. Anyone could just do what they want in Vrindavan. The question is, what does Krishna want? Are you going to Vrindavan to enjoy Vrindavan or are you going to Vrindavan to be enjoyed by Krishna? As long as you want to enjoy Vrindavan, Vrindavan will never be truly revealed to you. 
until you give up all desire to be enjo- to enjoy and simply by be want want to be enjoyed by Krishna. Then you can see Vrindavan as it is. Otherwise, you're roaming through the grounds, but you don't see the true Vrindavan. He'll never reveal it because you're you're trying to enjoy Krishna's abode rather than Krishna enjoying you. How do we learn to be enjoyed by Krishna? Krishna says in the Bhagavatam, in the Gita, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, through my Guru, through one who's training you. How? To surrender. How to control your senses. How to chant the holy name. Huh? How to be a servant. How to carry out my orders. And that way we're enjoyed by Krishna. And then when Krishna desires, he will put us in one of these rasas. We don't have to go to Vrindavan to find it. He will reveal it to us. Hmm?